Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? In this episode, we'll revisit the Tuscan way of life, dive deeper into how to welcome a slower pace, and you'll hear why I like iced coffee drinks year round. This is episode 51. Here we go. Well, thank you listeners for being with me today. It's just me today. Um, I'm really just always grateful that I get this opportunity to speak to you. I hope it feels like we're just sitting down over a cup of coffee or tea and just doing life together and sharing life and sharing thoughts and hopefully learning and growing in this journey of motherhood. So today we're dipping back into the wisdom of Tuscany, right? That book that I have mentioned before on the podcast and discussing what it could really look like to integrate aspects of Tuscan culture into our everyday life here in the Pacific Northwest. So we've talked about how to do that with French culture recently, and I am so excited to talk about Tuscany. Now let's recap a little bit about what this book is all about. Okay, so basically, the author of this book lived 20 years in Tuscany, but he's originally from Hungary. He spent his youth in Canada and then young adulthood years in California and New York. So he has this wide array of experience in different locations and cultures. So I feel like he brings a very unique perspective to just life and living and quality of life. His main chunk of experience, however, has been living in Tuscany in his life. Like these are the years he draws from to share tidbits of thought-provoking ways of doing daily life. And I love it because you can just kind of consider. You don't have to take everything that is ever said in any book and do everything, but it's just really fun to be inspired and to think twice, like, hmm, just kind of reevaluate kind of how you're living and how I'm living and think, what could we tweak? What could we integrate that could bring a quality and depth to our lives that might be missing right now? So the book advertises, learn to live the good life in our own backyards. And I say, yes, yes, yes to that. So in this first episode today, a short two-part series is coming at you, just one, one and two. We'll dive into four aspects of Tuscan life, and they are time, quality of things, health, and food. And then next week, we'll examine three more houses, Sundays, and what makes a home. And this is still, after all, kind of under the umbrella theme of home for this month. So again, today we're looking at time, quality of things, health, and food. So let me begin by stating that how we perceive time is very important. It will shape how we live our days, how we spend our minutes. When thinking of home life, this includes how we interact with each other, in our families, what we do, how we rest, play, work, everything, right? If we believe that this life is all we've got, we may find ourselves striving only for things like power, wealth, and status, even at great cost to our health and our families. But if you, like me, believe this life is not all there is and that heaven is real and true, then there is so much more to live for than ourselves. There is more to focus on than a bigger, better house, a cool car, a fancier vacation or clothes or jewelry, you name it. We can instead embrace the truth that we're here to love our neighbors and love God and do whatever he wants us to do. And a quick side note here, even though it's not our main topic today, but that kind of thinking will free us up from that crippling notion that says it's all up to us to make it in this life and, you know, be successful. That is way too much pressure to be living under every day. But instead, we can lean into God and receive his strength and 
and power to do what he's called us to do. So moving forward, if we believe that people are more important than stuff and time is valuable and precious, we will treasure interactions that are meaningful beyond a thumbs up on a Facebook photo. When we realize that time is this great gift to be used well or thrown away and wasted, we'll live our days with more careful thought and prayer about what to do, who to see, and how to live. A common phrase we all like to toss around is time is money. And while yes, this is technically true, it falls woefully short of the meaning of life. I think for most of us, living at a slower, more meaningful pace is almost foreign. We've lost track of normal, as we said in episode 47. We live and work and go, go, go so much that we are burned out by the time we hit the weekend. And instead of resting and using that time to recharge appropriately, we just go harder. Now it's time for all the sporting events, the errands, the household tasks we didn't get done during our jam-packed week. And believe me, I am entering into a season with our kids where this is becoming way more of an issue and a struggle for me to navigate saying yes and no to different activities that they're going to want to be involved in. So I totally understand that this is tricky. It's kind of like, ooh, tiptoeing through this, like, oh, okay, trying to really use the time we we are given in a, in a good way. The wisdom of Tuscany reveals this. Perhaps the most instantly impressive thing about Tuscany is the leisurely pace at which life is not just lived, but thoroughly enjoyed. Now, I want to ask you, do you think we live at a leisurely pace? I'm kind of nervous about even my own answer right now. <laughs> What could improve in our even our weekly rhythms? So I, I don't know, right? This is a really tough question. Do we live at a leisurely pace? Now, I don't want you to equate leisurely with lazy, okay? So if you're like me, my tendency is to be like, oh, well, but you can't just like lay around all day and, and not do anything. And no, that's not what we're saying. Leisurely and enjoying, you know, just like taking time. So when you sit down for a meal, you don't just scarf down your food. You actually like taste it and savor it and have good conversation with your family. That's what we're talking about, leisurely pace. I think it's interesting in our society how even looking at some of the cultural things we're just so used to reveals a lot of what our values tend to be. And this is really, really convicting. So just bear with me. I think the prevalence of drive through coffee and drive through restaurants actually reveals our tendency to be rushing and on the go and not giving enough time to truly enjoy something. Now, huge statement here, like, I love drive through coffee. I support our local coffee stand so much. Oh my goodness. Like our little boy knows the name of it. He knows all the girls that work there. Like we support local coffee. So let me just say that. But what I'm saying is that I think our perception of time is just really reflected in the fact that we have so many <laughs> drive through places in general to get food or beverages, right? Now, I feel like it's really interesting to compare different cultures with our cultures. This is so fascinating, right? So when I have been to Europe several times now with my husband or with my kids, we've, we've taken all the, the kids at one point, um, I have noticed it was like, where on earth are the drive through coffee places? Like, I need some coffee right now. <laughs> no, it's actually hard to find. And the reason is, I think, is that culturally they are going to value, like a Tuscany, of course, are going to value that time spent with loved ones, right? And friends and family. So sitting down and sitting down to even enjoy your cup of coffee and sitting down to enjoy certainly a meal, that's definitely a value that I, I see. Now, American culture slowly kind of infiltrating over there. So 
I think you're going to probably start seeing a lot more fast food and stuff down the road. But for now, it's tricky to find a quick in and out thing. So it was really, really fascinating to just observe that. Also interesting to ponder, we have what's even called convenience stores here, right? Isn't that funny? There is a little place on the corner, one of the corners downtown in our little town that sells like just really, I don't know, like the powdery donuts in a package (laughs) and like quick coffee that's just from the dispenser and um, wait, dispenser? Maybe I'm saying carafe. (laughs) I don't know. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like a quick convenience store thing. And you would be so surprised. I mean, I was shocked. There's so many people that that is their breakfast. They go in there and they get just kind of quick, quick, quick and didn't give enough time in the morning to sit down for a couple moments with a cup of coffee in your own home and talk to your husband or wife or if you have children, you know, talk to them and send them off to school with a really positive feeling in your, you know, in your heart. <laughs> so it's just, it made me so kind of sad to see how quickly, even in my own life, I'm I'm quick to go to the convenient thing instead of leisurely or <laughs> a little more slowly enjoying an experience, right? I don't know. It's just really fun to think about these kind of things. I think part of the reason, especially in Tuscan culture, everything I know about it is that they want to linger because they treasure that human interaction, that face-to-face interaction. And also they've lovingly spent time creating a beautiful meal with real ingredients that they've often grown themselves, which leads us to the next element of Tuscan life that we can learn a lot from, quality of things quality of things. Okay. This is something he talks about a lot in the book. And I was reflecting back to the time spent with my own grandpa and thinking about how he made his purchases versus how I tend to make my purchases. And it's very different. My grandpa would buy things that would last the built to last idea versus things that constantly break or wear out sooner or just super trendy. Right. So (laughs) I just remember he would buy, like if he bought an Oak table, it was going to last like forever. Or if he bought an appliance or a thing for the house or a couch or whatever, he would spend more money on better quality, but it would last. It would last 30 years, 40 years, you know? Um, My parents, even a different generation than mine as well, they had this like 1980s kind of gold colored fridge that lasted, I swear, just forever. just kept going and going and going. (laughs) It just didn't ever end. Now, unfortunately, you have to replace most appliances these days within 10 years. And I would just insert an eye roll here like that is so frustrating (laughs) oh it's so hard so that is a a frustration we have to contend with is I do think in general a lot of appliances and things aren't built to last as much anymore so that's just a kind of an unfortunate thing but here's here's the thing about Tuscany he says part of a Tuscan's calm comes from the ancient hamlets and towns around him where houses churches and art have stood firm for centuries and from a countryside that for the most part has changed very little over time he goes on to say that in looking back at the rich history you can take comfort in all of that and then looking forward you can know that if you do nothing all your life but look after your family that's all right too there's no need to do more it is this looking both back and ahead that fills you with but a single obligation that whatever you do it better be your best because if it is it will remain for a long time so when you build your house it's natural to use the best material stone for walls clay roof tiles copper for gutter pipes He continues, Tuscans strive for quality even in daily items. Clothes, furniture, appliances, cars are all built to last, whereas North Americans tend to trade in their cars every three years. (laughs) And I thought, ooh, yeah, we totally do. Like, that's just more normal here. And again, I'm not saying good, bad, better, whatever. Just think about it with me. It's just fun to ponder. What if we made that shift and started to buy more quality items versus 
quantity, like every few years, it's like, got to have a better thing, got to have a newer thing. And, you know, this isn't good enough anymore. And I think there's so many things that contribute to this attitude. I feel it. I feel the pressure. I'm not coming at this topic saying like, I've got this figured out. I'm just saying I'm really trying to grow in this area. I think it sounds so freeing to be able to think about life this way and buying items this way. But I think there's some definite barriers that keep us from doing this and adopting this attitude, right? Uh, My initial thoughts, honestly, are there is just pressure. There's pressure to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. There's a really strong push for consumerism in general in our in our society and there's a constant changing of trends especially in fashion and clothing and that's something I think for us moms that's it's tricky you feel like last year's skinny jeans like won't won't be good enough like they have to be now have a higher waist and blah 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 like the boots from last fall are suddenly not quite on trend it's like oh that's exhausting but it is very real pressure that we feel and so I think some of those some of those barriers are some, you know, just things we have to contend with and we have to decide, am I going to be swayed by what's all around me or am I going to try to make better choices for myself and my family, even if it feels like you're swimming upstream. And I think that that's okay, though. I think it's good to know yourself and know your family and know what your values are. And if you're going to strive for quality over quantity, more of the Tuscan way of doing things, then you're going to have to embrace that attitude and be okay with not having new jeans every few months. You know what I mean? And I think the thing about shopping and purchasing and all of that, too, that's kind of not always talked about because we just it's kind of embarrassing is that shopping can be addictive like you can legitimately become almost an addiction where you're like scrolling looking for new things and then you get this thrill of purchasing where you like if you're doing it online like you click the button and you're like I'm gonna get this thing and I'm so excited and my life and my my well-being is gonna be enhanced by this thing and it's like well yes and no (laughs) you know what I mean it's fun to buy things don't get me wrong I love shopping when I was single and I was not married and didn't have any children yet I spent a lot of my paycheck on clothes and just eating out and doing whatever and it just is what it is I don't try to overthink that because I sometimes I'm like I really wish I would have saved more money back then but you know if we can shift and we can start to make wise choices and embrace some of the Tuscan way of doing things I do think we could be experiencing more joy and a little more contentment Okay, so let's talk about food for a minute and attitude towards food because that's actually kind of a very distinctive thing here too when we're comparing and contrasting and thinking about different attitudes around the world about food. And so this is an excerpt from the book, The Wisdom of Tuscany. Perhaps nothing speaks of the good life as eloquently as Tuscan food, and its quality is not limited only to what's homegrown. One needs only to look at the average bakery, butcher, or even supermarket to realize that quality food is insisted on by all. And I kind of love that because it means everyone's committed, you know, everyone's excited and passionate about good food. And so he goes on to say, you know, this quality, yes, sometimes you have to pay a little bit more, but he's like, when we're given the best bread that one can make, and he goes on, or the tastiest, ripest fruit and vegetables, we feel good, feel worthy, feel that someone has bothered to care about what we eat. In turn, whatever we do, we do our best. 
and that is bound to somehow end up on the butcher's or baker's table. And he goes on to conclude, good, honest food prepared with two magic ingredients, love and care, is just it's the best, right? He talks about that. Care begets care, quality begets quality, until it ends up being the very foundation of a culture where people don't do shoddy work because they don't know how. And when quality so permeates a culture, its pursuit becomes reflexive, becomes a way of living that results in an irreplaceable quality of life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He paints good, honest food prepared with love and care. And this is so encouraging to me because it means that as mamas, when we prepare food, if we have that love and care in our hearts and you know, even in our hands as we're creating and crafting and making, that will be communicated to our families. And isn't that just one of the most comforting things about home is a good meal around the table together? So if we can tweak our attitudes to make sure we value food and mealtimes together and lingering and not just rushing through or not just always settling for the quickest, most convenient option. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good, convenient meal sometimes when it's necessary, but there are so many opportunities we have to just connect with our families around the table, and we should definitely make sure to embrace this Tuscan attitude, I think, of living the good life living the good life and enjoying good food together, quality food prepared with love and care. Okay, so I'm going to sum up and give you a couple of main tips and a takeaway that hopefully will enrich your life and help you be able to make choices that are inspired by Tuscany. The first tip is to choose to enjoy life at a more leisurely pace. Okay, easier said than done. I totally get that. (laughs) But here's the thing. When you and I have choices, let's just choose slower. If you have the ability to plan ahead and make a meal before you go to the soccer game, go ahead and do it. You don't have to rush through a drive-thru. When you have a free moment, don't fill it up with media and scrolling on our phones and watching TV. Many times I turn way too quickly to my phone for entertainment or, you know, if I have a quick free moment in my day. But what it really ends up doing a lot of times is distracting me and pulling my thoughts in a million different directions rather than me using that free time to rest or sit and read or look around and just notice the beauty around me and pray or be with my kids or take a short nap or whatever would truly recharge me. So if we can all start to make that shift of choosing to enjoy things at a more leisurely pace, I think we would definitely deepen our awareness of just the goodness of God around us and in our lives and then also with our families and just be able to really take in the laughter of our children or the beauty of the sunrise. You know what I'm saying? The next tip is to take one thing off your plate this week. And whether that's an extra commitment or activity or outing, just remove something to give yourself more room to breathe and enjoy life. Can you delegate a job or a task that's kind of hanging over your head? Can you reach out for help so that you get support with your own kids or your job or whatever it may be? Reschedule an appointment if it's just cramming your day too full of activities and driving here and there. I am notorious for accidents and by accidentally, I mean kind of carelessly, like oh, scheduling doctor and dentist appointments at different times with the different kids and myself and everything, making multiple trips to a nearby city to go to all these appointments instead of consolidating them and scheduling them only on certain days or kind of windows of time when I know I have support or help with our little boy. So with a little more care and a little more thought, I can look at a week and look at what I've got to do or places I need to be and then 
if there's too much, just remove one of those things. And then proactively looking forward, I was realizing after this week of way too many appointments and things that I need to spread them out and consolidate them as well. So spread out meaning like don't do the haircut, the dentist appointment and the checkup all in one week, like for the, like for our kids and stuff, spread them out. And then when you do them, do them at the same time. Like both of the girls can go to the dentist at the same time. So they have back-to-back appointments and we're not pulling one out of school and going over here and then pulling the other one out. Of school. You know what I'm saying? So that really helps us to be proactive as well. When you look ahead and, and see, oh, this is going to be kind of a lot I need to I need to adjust so that I'm not missing out on truly savoring life's sweet moments that are all around us and the last tip I have for you inspired by the wisdom of Tuscany is to resist the pull of consumerism now I realize when I say that I may as well have just said like just go walk on the moon like it's no big deal but hear me out. I know it's hard. If we can just do a couple of things to resist this pull, I think we will find success here. If we can unsubscribe to emails for sales at stores, especially the stores that we love and we get somewhat addicted to shopping at, not feeding that shopping, consuming, buying appetite, that will really help. It's like when you think, oh, I'll just browse Amazon for jewelry and see if there's any fun necklaces that I would like or this or that. And then suddenly you filled up your cart and you feel like now I have to check out and buy it all because there's actually really good sales and deals and these new stuff are so much better than last year's styles. So taking a step back when you're tempted to buy extra things you don't necessarily need. Again, I know this is so hard, but it's inspired by Tuscany and it's awesome. It's awesome to embrace this way of thinking. Maybe if you're like me, just don't go to places when you don't have the cash to pay for stuff. It sounds so basic, but just don't do it. It's like an alcoholic wandering into a bar and just expecting to have a lot of willpower and not get a drink. Probably not going to happen, right? So just avoid those traps. A lot of trouble can be avoided when we just don't go down that path. Maybe choose the one treat or splurge item that you really do need and would like to invest in, an item that's built to last, whether it's clothing or a thing for your home, something maybe a little less trendy, but more classic and it'll last longer than the next few months and save up cash for it. Cash. If you need to be inspired about this, just visit Dave Ramsey's material. He's got a podcast. He's got a website. He's got a ton of books. I have been doing that so much more and it is the best. It's so great. So in summary, just take a step back with me and think about this slower pace, this feeling of ease, this feeling of not rushing and maybe choose to embrace that more than you have in the past. And again, don't equate leisurely with lazily. (laughs) You know, don't do that. Just look at your days honestly. Look at your own health, your own family's health, and then evaluate if things are just not going well. If something is not working and then make adjustments. And I think some of these tips will hopefully really help you. There's one thing I know I need to do, and that's definitely unsubscribe to a lot more emails. <laughs> I don't know how it happens. I think it's just when you're shopping, you get a receipt and they're like, can we email you the receipt? And then they get your email address and then they send you all this stuff. So you have to intentionally go and unsubscribe, unsubscribe. So I've been slowly doing that. I need to do it more and then unfollow people or brands that are always putting images in your in your mind that you're like, oh, I just... 
I love that. Oh, I don't have that one color of that one thing. And <laughs> you know what I mean? If I see other people's fall porch decor, as silly as this sounds, most of the time I'm not inspired. I'm just kind of like jealous, right? <laughs> if we're being honest. And then it pulls me into that trap of consumerism. So we have to work hard. It's not the easiest thing in the world, but I would encourage you to embrace this Tuscan way of thinking, to buy things that are built to last, to enjoy life at that leisurely pace and take one thing off your plate. Don't cram your days so full that you are barely breathing. So moving forward to the segment we call my favorite things, I just have one main thing to share with you right now currently that I love and it's the Starbucks Nitro Cold Brew with Sweet Cream. Kind of a mouthful, but it is so good. It's smooth, there's less acidity, and it's just delicious. Now remember, I'm an iced coffee fan all year round. There's something about it. I think it's because it's a little less bold and then you've got the ice, which kind of waters down just a little bit. So it doesn't give you any kind of, I don't know, heartburn or something. So I'm just a huge fan of this new drink. This drink is great. It's not super sugary, which is also kind of a bonus. So you're not just drinking the equivalent of like a milkshake every day or every few days. Um, But yeah, I have really enjoyed that. It's a fun one to try. It is a little spendy, I will say. So it's good to reserve it for like a date with a friend or your husband or whatever, but it is really fun. It's a fun drink. All right, now it's time for a listener question. And this one was actually in conversation with a listener. So we were just chatting and a listener was asking me a little more details about the morning routine that I have and how it works and how I do it and kind of the mindset behind it. So I thought it would be fun to deep dive into that on a future episode, but for now I thought I could answer just part of it for you. Okay, here's the thing. So when it comes to attitude and mindset, I look at my day like this. I put in those big rocks first, which are usually things like my devotional time and my exercise and time with family. And if you need a refresher on that big rocks analogy, go back to the first few episodes of this podcast and you'll hear me talk through what the big rocks concept is and how to unpack that in your life. So I also... Fun fact for you, I also try to limit my housework to one or two main tasks each day. And I like to front load the week with the chores that bring me the best feeling of like satisfaction (laughs) and peace, if that makes sense. And for me, those things are clean floors and clean bathrooms. When those things are done earlier in the week rather than later, as my energy fades towards Friday, it's just the best feeling, right? And I also try to spread out those other tasks like changing bed linens and things like that throughout the rest of the week. So I'm not overwhelmed with like all the cleaning, all the laundry on like one huge, massively full day, because that's just too, too exhausting. So if you can approach the morning as this powerful time to be able to accomplish some of those really foundational things that are going to help you be the best mama that you can be. I would encourage all of us to look at our mornings and get up a little earlier than we normally do in order to do some of these foundational things that might have been slipping lately, you know, because of just life and getting distracted or thinking you'll do it in the evening, but then you're too tired to do it in the evening. Like there's no way I can do certain things at night. I just, I just can't, I can't bring myself to like have the energy to accomplish them. So if I do it first thing and I'm totally not even a morning person, I've just slowly made myself get up earlier and earlier. And now it's pretty early every day but I have this hour of time where I can do these foundational things and I start the day so much better. So the other day, this is really funny, I did not do my big rocks first, I just didn't. And that happens, it's totally 
life, right? I didn't do some of my foundational things first. The rest of the day felt like a fiasco. I felt like I was reacting to everything. I wasn't really as calm as I would have liked to be. My mind was a little distracted. I wasn't feeling good in my body because I hadn't stretched or done anything and my back was really, really sore. And so I'm thinking like, this works. Like this just works. When you do your big rocks first and plan it and write it down, if that helps, it helps me. I think it helps most of us to have a sketched out plan of the day in general so you don't forget stuff or, you know, appointments or this or that. Sketch it out so that it's like one of the most important things you need to do first thing. And then the rest of the day almost feels like a breeze because you're like, I've done these really awesome things already and I feel so good and I'm ready to face whatever comes my way. So I would just advocate, even if you work outside the home or if you stay at home or if you have kids or you don't have kids, who whatever your scenario is as you're listening, think about those foundational things that are really, really important to do each day. And it's only gonna be probably two or three things that like have to be done and do those first thing. Harness the power of the mornings. I've said it before, but use the early morning hours to your advantage. And if you're in a scenario that I'm not addressing, like either you have a schedule that's just really wonky and hard to hard to do that, of course, do what you need to do. But for many of us, if we get up a little earlier and use the mornings more efficiently and it will be so great, you feel so good. Okay, well, I've got one more quick bungle moment for you. And that's just those moments where our kids say or do something that's just kind of random or fun or whatever. So if you have a moment to share, which many of you have, and I so appreciate it, go to sundayafternoonmama.com and click on share bungle moment, or you can message me on Instagram or Facebook and I can get it that way too. So basically my story is just one sentence long. It's that our little two-year-old boy says, no, thank you. If he wants to say no, thank you, like, I don't want to do this or I don't want to eat that or whatever it can be. But it's just so cute because it's kind of like a bummer that he's saying no thank you oftentimes because of it's dinner time or, you know, whatever. But he'll just be like, no thank you. And I can't even handle it because the thank you makes me laugh. And so then I'm just like, well, okay, whatever. <laughs> what are you going to do? I guess that you're not going to have that, but that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> So it's just cute. So that is my moment to share with you for today. Okay, well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Be sure to tune in next week. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend or family member so they can check it out too. And also you can take a screenshot when you're listening and share it to your social media. That's a great way to spread the news. Come visit sundayafternoonmama.com and follow me on Instagram and Facebook if you don't already. I'll be back with you next week. In the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so that we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.